That's a good number for an invitation on this sermon. <laughs> you ever had a time in your life where you just don't want to talk about it? You talked about it so many times. You've had the same conversation 10,000 times and nothing ever changes. And here it comes again. Same conversation. No reason to believe it's going to be any different. I just don't talk about it. Well, this is one of those subjects I really don't want to talk about. I'm going to talk about health. Why we believe that hell is real and eternal. Now, this is one of those subjects that if you're talking to someone who doesn't believe that the Bible is God's Word, then you really have nothing to talk about. I mean, I can go outside of the Bible, and I can find existence for God. I can point to nature. I can point to creation. I can make defensible arguments in support of the existence of a greater power, a higher power. If we're talking about the inspiration of Scripture, I can go outside of the Scripture. The Bible teaches that it's inspired. It teaches that it's the God, God's Word. But we can look at the manuscript evidence and the consistency based on the volume of manuscripts, and we can make arguments outside of the Bible for the inspiration of Scripture. But if you're talking about heaven, let's start there. You're talking to somebody about heaven, and you're trying to convince them that heaven is a real place. What's your evidence? Okay, let's talk about hell. I don't want to talk about hell. Well, let's talk about hell. What's your evidence for the existence of hell? What, it, what, what's your evidence for, for the, the reality of eternal punishment? If you don't believe the Bible, there's really nothing to talk about. So what we're dealing with here is a subject that might come up in a discussion with someone about Scripture and about things religious. But if they don't believe that the Bible is God's Word, then you're probably not going to have this conversation. And, and for that reason, I want to make more of this than just a discussion that we might have in the defense of our faith. I want us to remind ourselves, I need this reminder, that hell is real. You don't want to hear it, do you? Hell is eternal punishment. You don't want to hear that either. Let's talk about something positive. Let's talk about heaven. Let's talk about all the good things that we read about God and His grace and His mercy and His loving kindness. Let's talk about the kindness of God. Let's not talk about His severity. Let's talk about God's love. Let's not talk about statements such as it's a, it's a terrible thing to fall in the hands of, of, of God. And yet, if we're going to be true to the Word, we've got to talk about it. Hell is not a place where someone goes to be punished after death for just a brief period of time. I don't know about the rest of you, but I, I can take a good bit of pain if I know it's going to go away. But if you're talking about pain that's not going to go away, that's a different matter. 
If you're talking about pain that isn't going to last for just a number of years, but it's going to last in this dimension that I can't even fathom, and that is eternity. Now we're talking about a different matter. First point I would make is that the reality of eternal punishment is taught by Jesus. It's assumed. It's, it's a given. If you believe what Jesus taught during the course of his ministry, you have to believe that there is a place of eternal punishment. We'll begin at Mark chapter 9. We're going to look at several verses here. And these not only establish the reality of eternal punishment, but also provide some insight that should serve as motivation for us to, to want not to be there. In, in Mark chapter 9, Jesus, in speaking on the subject of stumbling blocks, states in verse 43, if your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than having your two hands to go into hell, into the unquenchable fire. This fire is not going to stop. It is unquenchable. And then he says in verse 44, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. The worm that's consuming a carcass. Eventually, the carcass will no longer cease to exist. But in this place of eternal punishment, the worm does not die. And the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than having your two feet to be cast into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to stumble, throw it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Did Jesus want his disciples to come away from this discussion feeling good about eternal punishment? Did he want them to come away from this conversation thinking in their mind, well, this is not so bad. This will just be temporary. This, this will be annihilation. I'll be punished, but then I'll just cease to exist. No. Jesus said, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. He said that three times. By the way, I don't think the Lord really wants us to pluck out our right eye. He doesn't want us to cut off our foot. What else did he say? foot, you know, well, hand. <laughs> I don't think he wants us to maim ourselves. But he wants us to think, doesn't he? Everything that you need really to function, it's not important if it's going to cause you to lose your soul. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 12, and there are so many scriptures that we could go to. This is a very small sampling in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus is speaking of the sons of the kingdom of darkness. And he states in verse 12, that the sons of the kingdom will be cast into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is gnashing of teeth? You ever heard, you ever seen the old westerns where their, their guy gets shot and they're going to pour some whiskey in his side? They, they, they wrap up. Tim knows what I'm talking about. He watches Gunsmoke. 
they, they wrap a, uh, put something around him and, and he has to bite on the rag or they put a stick in his mouth and they tell him to bite down. There's going to be some pain here. It's going to be gnashing of teeth. But it's only temporary. In this place of outer darkness, it's not going to end. In Matthew chapter 25, when Jesus spoke of the time of his return, he writes in Matthew, or he states in Matthew chapter 25, in verse 30, actually this is the parable of the, the, uh, the parable of the talents first. Remember the one talent man? The man who really had no fear of God, wasn't concerned about a failure to utilize that one little talent that he was given. At the end of that talent, at the end of that parable, Jesus said, throw, throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But then in verse 31, he begins to speak of the final judgment. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. We're not going to talk about the sheep. Let's talk about those on the left. Let's talk about the, about the goats. Look at verse 41. He will say to those on his left, Depart from me, cursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been... Now, here's, here's, here's some new information. Which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Help. Hell wasn't prepared for us. It wasn't God's vision that man be lost and that man be eternally punished. Hell began with the rebellion in heaven. When Satan and his angels rebelled, God prepared a place for them. Now think about that. Would you want to spend eternity with those angelic beings who stood up in heaven and said, we're done, God. We're not going to listen to you anymore. We're not going to do what you want us to do anymore. We're done. Do you want to spend eternity where they spend eternity? That's the purpose and the plan of God with respect to the creation of this eternal body. But we might find ourselves there as well. And then verse 46, these will go away into eternal punishment. It's not just temporary. It's eternal. In Luke chapter 16, when Jesus was telling the story of the rich man and Lazarus, in that story, there's much to be said. But one point that I want to draw your attention to, this is Luke chapter 16 and verse 23. This is the perspective of one in torment. In Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. And he cried out and he said in verse 24, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. Weeping gnashing of teeth, eternal destruction. It's never going to get any better. All he wanted was just a little, little bit of water. 
to make it better. The second point I would make is that not only do we see the reality of eternal punishment in the teaching of Jesus, but the same is evident in the teaching of the apostles. And we shouldn't be surprised, given the fact that they were under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as sent by Jesus. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, again, we see a reference to the time when Jesus would return. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, the latter part of verse 7 states, when he returns, he'll be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. Well, that's consistent with what we just read in Matthew chapter 25, that great judgment scene when Jesus returns with his angels. Here we see Jesus coming with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. By the way, if you haven't obeyed the gospel, you need to listen closely to that. By the way, if you don't know God, you need to listen closely to what this apostle is writing. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, the apostle Peter writes, if God did not spare, this is 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of darkness reserved for judgment. That's the reality of eternal punishment. That's the reality of that place that God created for Satan and his angels, his demons. In the book of Jude, verse 6, in the book of Jude, verse 6, the Bible says, angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode, they rebelled against God. He has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of that great day. What did the apostles teach? In Revelation chapter 20, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10, the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone. That's the end. That's why, that's why God created hell. Where the beast and the false prophet are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then in verse 14, Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. The apostles. Jesus taught the reality of eternal punishment. The third point I would make is, from this falls out practical applications. And there's one really that touches everything. And that is live in view of eternity. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 25 now. Let's look at that great judgment scene. Let's, let's consider those on the left who will experience that eternal judgment, that eternal torment, that place where there will be utter darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth. In Matthew 25, verse 44, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, 
and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment. It's not just about Sunday morning, is it? It's not just about practicing a religion of cheap grace. It's not just about talking about the hard things but never doing the hard things. Luke 6, 16. Let's go to that place. Remember the story of the rich man and Lazarus? Let's look a little little bit more closely closely at that story. Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. Boy, that sounds good. Not just every now and then. Every day is the life of the rich and the famous. No worries, no concerns. Life is good. I look good. I smell good. I got got doctors lined up keeping me alive and keeping me healthy and making me look good. And here's this poor man named Lazarus. He was laid at his gate. He was covered with sores and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Do you think you ever got any? Besides, even the dogs were coming and they were licking the sores. Which life would you rather have? When the poor man died, he was carried away by the angels. Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. Something just doesn't sound very good about that. And in Hades, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and he saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and he said, Father Abraham, he was religious. He knew Abraham. He knew of Abraham. He went to church. Maybe he was one of those on the left. Cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. Have mercy on me. I had mercy on you all your life. You heard the gospel. You had opportunity to be who I created you to be. Don't talk to me now about mercy. I gave you mercy. Send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this place. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able and that none may cross over from, from there to us. You're not going to have another chance. There's not going to be another invitation song in torment. 
There's not going to be someone who's going to come and preach, you, preach the gospel to you again and speak of mercy and grace and God's loving kindness. That ain't going to happen. Okay. Well, then I beg you, Father, verse 27, that you send him to my father's house for I have five brothers in order that he may warn them what kind of life you think they're living. He's worried about his brothers. They're still alive. They've got, they've got a chance. So that they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Oh, that's never good enough. That's never good enough. We need more than the Bible. We need more than an inspired window into God's heart. We need something more. No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. You know what? That, that's already happened. There, there's already evidence of, of God's power. There will be evidence of God's power when Jesus is raised from the dead. But the message is already there. But he said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. You and I don't have the power to raise someone from the dead, do we? But we have this. We got this book that Paul said, I'm not ashamed of. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. I have a message that I can preach that will keep people from this eternal punishment, this place of torment. Final passage, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. As concern the church at Thessalonica, they live in view of eternity. And by the way, this was a church this was a church whose faith was going out. This is a church that was making its mark on the world, that was making a difference. This was a church that was waiting, verse 10, for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. There's a great day coming. There's a great day coming. But we got a 911 song to sing first. I'm sorry I'm not in right now, but if this is an emergency, dial 911. Bring Christ your broken life. Eternal punishment does not have to be your destiny. Jesus is the one who can save you and me from the wrath of come. If you're subject to the call, please come as we stand in front of you.